Welcome to the Bad Boss Brief, a strategic guide on how to not be an asshole at work. We'll tell you about bad bosses, how they can be handled, how to tell if you happen to be one. An executive and an executive coach, both artists working in advertising and marketing for more than two decades, are here to advise you on the ins and outs of office environments. The Bad Boss Brief is your ultimate guide to navigating any employment landscape. Here are your hosts, Eugene S. Robinson and Stephanie Payrollo. Welcome to the Bad Boss Brief. I am Stephanie Payrollo. I'm Eugene S. Robinson. We're glad you're here. Today we are going to talk about the bad news boss. How uh, bosses deliver bad news, either skillfully or unskillfully. And knowing us, you know that we will have some of the unskillful stories. But before we start that, um, I'm in Seattle. And we, yesterday, Seattle had the worst air quality of any city in the world. Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. It was that, <laughs> and, it was and, the, and you're right on the bay, unlike the water. How is that possible? Well, because we also are situated so that fires in eastern Washington blow towards the water and fires in British Columbia right. come south. And so we're kind of like in the middle of them. And they're supposed to, by Wednesday when this broadcast, there's, it's supposed to have been gone. But it right. really does put an interesting perspective to wake up and have this post-apocalyptic red orb in the sky. I mean, we took my granddaughter outside yesterday for in the span of her eating a popsicle, and yeah. my eyes were burning. Yeah. I was like, clearly yeah. this is not a place to take a tender young young lungs. Hey, hey a friend of mine, uh, his girlfriend moved to L.A. She had to leave after four months because she developed pleurisy, a, a disease that largely people haven't. Heard from this industrialized England, you know. So, uh, yeah, I take air seriously. Yeah, so. so it does. It definitely does have a, um, I don't know, just a sobering effect of like, yeah. you know, to look outside and have it be like, you know, just this. It's this weird tinge, and you walk out. You can not only can you smell it, you can taste it. Yeah, that which is kind of weird. Yeah. And then, of course, if you're growing vegetables outside, you're thinking like, hey, do I want to consume this? It's a lot of stuff. But I understand these concerns are, you know, a forefront of your mind, given your extreme age. Because we just had, <laughs> for all of our listeners and viewers, you need to know that we just had a birthday yesterday. Yes. And it was it was hers. I mean, I'm glad to be able to do a show with somebody who's so, so much old, so much older and wiser. Just <laughs> to be, be clear, for those of you who don't know this, Eugene is eight whole days younger than I am. Right? So this, is, this is the one week of the year where he can give me shit for being old. So as of this week alone, right. Right. I'm 61. Eugene is 60. Hey, until yeah, young, sprightly. Until the 28th, at which point then we will again oh, oh the same age. <laughs> right, right. That's Although it is funny. Like- it is funny because I feel like this has been always been a thing between us of like you have not talked about your age as much as I have, which I think is right. interesting given the gender dynamics. Usually it's the it's the switch, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's the woman. And I've been since I was in my 50s, I've been walking on stages and I will always say how old I am. And people will often greet it as like, I just came out of the closet about something. They'll yeah. be like, but but you could you could lie and, and seem like you were younger. And I'm like, yeah. and the point of that is what? 
Yeah, right, right, right. No, no, I, I mean, you, you don't. You just haven't seen me at jujitsu where I'm moaning and groaning and whining, or alternatively, tormenting people with like, "You just got beaten by a sixty-year-old, a sixty-year-old." <laughs> My God, what does that say about you? Uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty poor. In, in the rock and roll context, it doesn't often come up, but you know, sometimes I'm saying I was playing the show in '82, and people will say I wasn't born then. I was like, "Yeah, great, okay." So, so. I've yeah, been doing this a while. That happens all the time. That sort of moment of shock when you're like, look at those little signs that say, you know, if you were born on this date in yeah. 2020, then you were, you're this, right? And I'm like, what? Really? Yeah, yeah. You're that yeah. old? Yeah, anyway, right. So little segue and happy almost birthday to you because it will happen in the next things. So um, what we want to talk about today is, is how bosses give bad news. Mm. And I'm going to start this with, I think, you know, a sad story, but one that's a really good example of what not to do in mm-hmm. terms of delivering bad news. So I was working at an organization that was large. I was in senior executive leadership and I worked very closely with a guy who was in another office. So we were on Zoom together all mm-hmm. the time, like often mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And it was Zoom. So I would see him in his kitchen. He had little kids, right? Little daughters who are a couple years older than my granddaughter. And he would send like present ideas, like here's some great toys for little girls to get interested in electronics or whatever. Right. We had that level of sort of work connection, talked every single day on Sunday night. I got an email that was sent out to the most of the agency that said that he had died suddenly of a heart attack. This is a man who I think, I don't even know if he was 40 Super mm-hmm. healthy, super fit. It was one of those. When you weeks. say su- when you say Sunday, do you mean yesterday? No, no. This was years ago. A, a Sunday. A okay. Sunday, right. not yesterday. Right. No, this yeah, was years right. ago. And okay. the first thing I thought was, why am I only hearing about this in an agency-wide email? Yeah, right. Why didn't I get a call? Right. And yeah. part of it was, it wasn't even why didn't I get a call because I'm a senior executive. It was, why didn't I get a call? I was part of a very close group that worked. I mean, it's a small group that worked really closely with this guy, right? And, you know, it it just, it seemed like a real missed opportunity that the CEO knew right away and made a decision to only tell a couple of people in the four days that elapsed between when my friend died and when the all agency announcement came out. Right. Right. And it was just, it, it just struck me. And I thought to myself, like, why do you, why would somebody do that? Right. Like that mm-hmm. seems like a pretty obvious thing, right? Like you mm-hmm. pick up the phone or you do a phone tree, like you call your five direct reports and tell them to call their five direct reports. And, but you have a personal message, right. Instead mm-hmm. of just like this, this email. And, you know, I, and that's what got me thinking about this because certainly there are plenty of circumstances over the last few years during the pandemic where, you know, people died suddenly or, you know, there were areas that were impacted in an inordinate way. And I just, I don't know. I thought he could have handled it more skillfully. What do you think? You think I'm overreacting? Um, I, you know, I, I, the one instance in which I had super terrible news, I was at Defense Electronics Magazine. It was a staff of about, let's say, 20 to 30 people, 20 actively in the office, and um, one of the senior editors was uh, a nice guy named Eric Raja was out. Um, and I could I knew something. This is my first job out of college. I knew something was afoot because there was a lot of closed door whispering stuff and people looked sober. And Eric Raja was not there. 
Um, and uh, my boss came over to me and said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I was like, sure. And he said, um, Eric's son uh, was killed in a car accident last night. So Eric is going to be out uh, this week. We're going to put together a card and get some flowers. And, uh, um, you know, he prefers probably to not talk about it. So, um, you know, if you see him, just, you know, yeah, he's going to be out a couple weeks. But when he, when he comes back, you know, just, hey, Eric, can try to keep it as normal as possible. I was really thankful to get that direction because I'm, I'm bad with tragedies under the best of circumstances. And in this instance, my first job, I go, what was it? What's the protocol? You know, but coming over to me made, made a, a big difference. And, and this is not I mean, there was email then <laughs> or, or there was some version of email then. I don't I don't quite kind of, kind of remember exactly how it was that we're communicating in, in inter-office kind of right. communications. By, but um, I thought that was a real humane way of dealing with it. But as the companies get larger and I've been at larger companies like Apple and Adobe and when tragedy strikes there, it's not. I find companies are largely averse to so that they, they, they sent an email around. I thought was um was interesting because I've never heard of large companies doing doing that down here in the valley. Um, for whatever re- I'm sure there's probably some HR legal reason that they say don't do it that way. But we were in, informed in a kind of a, a collective way versus the personal touch I had at Defense Electronics. And I have to say, yeah, I I, I prefer the personal way. It, se- well, it seemed to it seemed in keeping with how people felt about Eric Raja. So and they also it did two things, right? It it mm-hmm. let you know. But right. your boss was also, you were young, it was early in your career, right. giving you some clear guidance as to what to do, right? right. And, Correct. you know, I mean, one of the challenges is that I find, you know, and I've written about this before, that my subject last week was about um, grief mm-hmm. at work. And, mm-hmm. you know, people often say the wrong thing because they haven't experienced grief themselves. And mm-hmm. so the idea that he was able to say to you, when, when, you know, when he returns to work, try to be normal. Right. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should like well, try to be normal. Well, the, the strange thing is, you know, OK, so this is we're talking about bosses as mediums for bad news. But that I've also had the occasion of the boss being the bad news. And I love this guy. He was one of my favorite, not my best boss, but one of my favorite bosses at Nikon. And he has sadly passed on. But uh, one of the, I was getting friendly with one of the women in the department and somebody kind of pulled me aside and said, oh, by the way, you do know that's Bill's wife. I go, oh, I didn't know. And he said, well, not really his wife. They're going through a divorce. So Bill had left his wife and his kids for this woman. And then that had turned to garbage. And Bill, uh, you'd see him out in the parking lot. Um, uh, at one point, he was sleeping. Okay, he maybe had a tough night. He was napping. And then another point, I kind of go up to the car and he's like, he's waving me like this, like, like, don't like, you don't want me to get any closer. And I could see he had like vomit on his front and he kind of rolled the window down. He goes, I'll be back. I I, got to do some stuff at home. Like he he was hoping that I didn't see it. And then, you know, he pulls off and he lived a few miles from the office again. I came back, cleaned up. And it's like, now clearly I know there's something wrong with Bill. I like Bill. You know, how do I, he's at the top of the food chain in, in this office. I mean, how do I best serve the company, him as a boss, as a possible friend and, you know, the office dynamic? I, I mean, outside of not sleeping with his wife, which I chose not to do, you know, how do how do you how do you, you know, how do you I mean, in that instance, that was probably my third job after college. And it was completely baffling to me 
anything above him would seem disloyal. Anything below him would be ineffective as I was being. So I really didn't know how to handle it. And then eventually Bill died. So. And did he die for reasons that were connected with some of his behavior that was happening then? I mean, did um, he have like a substance abuse problem? Was that what was I going had, on? I had left to go to Apple and I suspect very possibly that alcohol was a, a causal agent. But, you know, I mean, people do die from alcohol, but he wasn't. It wasn't like that was the problem in the office. Right. He wasn't coming in staggering. I just think the weight of life and bad relationship choices and, you know, arguments that start at home and then continue through the workday because you're working next to the person that you're getting divorced from. I just think all of it kind of weighed in on well, him. So. And what I think is interesting is one of the questions that came up as I was looking at this topic is what is what kind of culture is exists at an organization for telling the truth? Nah, and segue for what I got coming up on fire me. Okay. Well, let's just, so for this, what I think what's interesting to me is that, you know, we have a natural inclination as human beings to hide really bad things. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so for example, if you and I felt, like, where, where, where's your, where's your, where's your brother Kane? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Right, and right just to skip over them. And that happens a lot in businesses. And the challenge of saying everything's fine, there's nothing behind the curtain, you don't need to look here, is it creates a a kind of cascading effect of problems. One is people don't feel like they can acknowledge difficulties because are we going to shoot the messenger? Are we going to continue to play that like everything is fine? What are we going to do? And so real problems that need to be addressed can't be surfaced because nobody feels like it's safe to talk about the negative things. And then it also creates this weird gaslighty, unsettling feelings when people are like, I know because I look at the books that we are in, you know, a wash in red ink. And yet I'm hearing these super rosy projections. Somebody somewhere is lying. And that, you know, and that kind of creates a cascading effect. And I think that's part of what happens is if you don't have an organization that can honestly say, hey, this person is struggling or this person, you know, lost a loved one or, hey, it looks like second quarter is going to be really challenging for us. Then there's nothing to sort of open people up to say, yeah, I should tell the truth. And mm-hmm. the obvious challenges ensue. Right. Or or in the worst case scenario, what I had going on at, at Ozzy where somebody's grandmother died and the upper management advice was, well, send some flowers. <laughs> like, no, it's my grandmother. I'd like to take time off to go to the funeral. Thank you. Um, and it created, uh, it was an offsite where it came up and it created, there were doors being shut and people crying in rooms. And eventually they were given two days off to attend their grand- grandmother's funeral. So unhealthy organization writ large. Right. Well, and because and generally when we look at what are the different kinds of areas where leaders have trouble giving feedback. Right. So obviously we're talking about kind of the extreme bad news, like someone's death or a death of a close you know, family member. But there's also the idea about, you know, giving feedback. Right. Sometimes you have to, in order to give effective feedback, you have to tell someone bad news. You need to be on a performance plan. You can't do this thing. Right. Or it's general business bad news. This division is going to be shut down in the next six months. We need to make some transition plans. Those Mm -hmm. kind of key areas. Can you think of any other ones? I'm just I'm smiling and I'm chomping at the bit to go into 
the, the widened story. But go, okay, I, go, 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 do your, do your oh, fire me. Go ahead. Uh, okay, okay, all right. So, all right. So, there is a college graduate who has designs to be part of the advertising industry. Widen Kennedy. They say, well, what's the best agency around? Widen Kennedy. I'm going to go to Widen Kennedy. That's it. There's no job at Widen Kennedy. This person duns them with letter after letter after letter. Finally, uh, 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 um, the, the one of the founders, uh, uh, the, the one who was alive most recently, right. um, says, we got to get this person on staff, bring them in for an intern internship, bring them in for an internship as a brand strategist before the, the three-month internship is, is out. Uh, 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 Kennedy says, I, I believe he was the last mm -hmm. one, says, is it, or is it, can anybody give me a single reason why we haven't hired this woman? They're like, oh no, the boss says hire her. They hire her. And she proceeds to kill it for two years. Well, an upper level executive there at one point emails a position statement out to the entire staff um, that was tonally uncomfortable. It was probably snarky when it should have been understanding. It was kind of sarcastic and not especially funny sarcastic. And the junior staffers were like, this is kind of a drag. It doesn't make us feel good. Yes, okay, the Gen Zers or millennials, whatever. It doesn't matter. The junior staffers were uncomfortable, didn't like it tonally. Uh, this star, who also happens to be my daughter, goes into the executive's office and says, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Open door policy, yeah, right. Um, I the thing that you just sent out to everybody, yeah, it's really upset the junior staffers. Um, and I understand what you were going for, but it seems at cross purposes with what you actually did. And they proceed to get into an argument, right? The guy takes umbrage, starts shouting at her. She has been raised with me as a father. Says, you know, it's not the way we talk to each other, and give, gives it back. They reach a rapprochement. Said, okay, it's fine. You know, you're right. He pulls his position, whatever this thing he's written, this screed, kind of re-edits, resubmits, calls her back in the office, goes, you were right. I was wrong. Thanks for the guidance. You know, you did the right thing. Goes back to work. Two weeks later, all of the junior staffers are laid off. <laughs> wow. And it reminds me that somebody said, you know, what, what undergirds political power, and you should never, ever forget this, no matter what kind of political system we're talking about, is violence, right? I mean, the, the point at which she went into his office to say, I believe that this could have been done better, is the point at which she signed her professional, or in this case, this career, this this job specific death warrant. And it's disgusting to me, disgusting to me that ad agencies can be stuck in 1955 and nobody says anything or does anything. You know, all of this lip service about diversity and inclusion. I mean, we didn't think about the DEI lie, but the, the reality of it is they're not even trying. They're not even trying. There's no oversight. There's none of this. They're not even... I, it wouldn't have been done if Kennedy was alive, of course, but he's not. And as soon as they could, they did what they exactly what they wanted to do. Damn the torpedoes. And that's no way to run a successful business as far as I'm concerned. But so there's, um, there's a reason to and I'm sorry that that happened. And mm -hmm. there's a reason that you I mean, there's a business reason why this is problematic. Right. So just putting aside the just like human being, what the fuck aspect of it. Right. Wyden and Kennedy is doing advertising. 
they are trying to do advertising that is going to break through, that's going to be compelling. The, the group that everybody wants to get now is Gen Z, right? They want those, those young people so that as they develop brand connections, they mm-hmm. will think about Nike or, you know, whatever other brand, right? Yep. That's how Wyden and Kenny got famous was doing just do it and Nike there in, you know, right. Oregon, right down the street from Nike. That's, that's their kind of like storied relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't do that by being completely disconnected with the cultural reality and, yep. and people like your daughter, a young black woman who is mm-hmm. a strategist is going to be tapped into a different aspect of culture than the mm-hmm. old people. I, I, I'm just going to take a wild guess that this is a black guy. Maybe I'm, I mean, a white guy, maybe I'm wrong, but the, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a white guy. yeah, the, <laughs> the middle-aged white guy yep. is not going to have that connection with the, the culture that your mm-hmm. daughter is going to have. And so what mm-hmm. he has now done, and by getting rid of the other junior staffers, presumably about her same age, he has mm-hmm. now cut himself off from any understanding of that generation. And he's mm-hmm. going to keep doing the same things that he was doing 20 years ago, which isn't going to fly. It's not even going to well, well, people who, who liked it 20 years ago. Well, and he also, but, you know, for, for, from his point of view, he's also, he's not even listening to that. He's What he's sending is a very potent and, and, and and direct message to everybody who's still there. Don't. <laughs> That's the message he's sending out. Don't. I don't want to hear your complaints. I don't want to hear your, pro- your your plans for improvement. I don't, I'm don't. i not interested in having a dialogue of equals with you. I'm the boss. Get out there and do your job and leave me the fuck alone. And that's what I, that's what I, and that's not the image that they want to be known when they, when they're trying to close a big deal. That's probably not the image they want, but it's your business. Run it the way you want. Well, and and hopefully, hopefully that the, these junior staffers will get picked up pretty quickly. Right. And, and I would imagine that other people who are still there will look around and be like, this is not the same place anymore. It's changed. And I'm not interested in staying. There are plenty of, interesting agencies that are doing cool work that are still, you know, that are interested in getting different perspectives that are not going to be so incredibly unskillful, particularly with people of color. I mean, that's just, that's disappointing because I like, I've always liked Wyden because they were independent. They're one of the few shops that didn't sell out to some big conglomerate or Accenture or whatever. But you, you, I mean, but you, you see the way these, the way they release these dogs. I mean, they release them in a way like I, I didn't release the dogs on you. The gate was open, and you, you're, you're, you're being. I mean, it was just, you know, we need. We're not bringing in as much business as we used to. We're just. It's a bit. There's a business reason for it, but you know that's not the case because I'm sure the staff is full of mediocrities who still, you know, play along, so they still have jobs. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, have you ever known somebody who was laid off from an, an, an agency because they were too creative? I do. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was told. So I mean, okay, you know, I don't know like it's, it's not a grievance fest. I'm just saying it's it's mind blowing to me. Mind blowing to me. But it ties and it ties in directly to what it is that we're saying, right? Yeah. And so if you do not support clearly Wyden no longer has a culture where there is yeah. an open door where people can honestly yeah. say, Hey, here's what's happening. Right. Um, and especially in something where like that's the part that is hard for me is that if you've got a, a, another middle aged white guy who's going to mm-hmm. say to a woman of color who walks into his office, hey, mm-hmm. it says this thing that you just did is tone deaf and it's hitting my ears and the ears of my colleagues who are the same age wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, the middle aged white guy should be saying, please 
women of color, please people yep. of color, pe- please yep. queer people that work for me, please disabled people, anybody that yep. has a perspective that he cannot have because of his privilege should have the ro- red carpet rolled out for them when they come into his office. Instead, yep. he's now completely cut that off and yep. he will get to savor the consequences of his choices, I would imagine, because that kind of leadership widens going to be um, a shadow of its former self, probably yep. very quickly. Yep. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, you know, given that she's my child, you know, the fruit, the tree, I think what probably was maybe most majorly irksome to him is that uh, when he started shouting that there was no fear response. (laughs) There's like no fear. Like, I'm not worried about keeping the job or not keeping the job. You run the company the way you want. I'm giving you information that I believe is valuable to that, to the, the, the health of this company. And that's what a good employee should do. So I'm functioning as a good employee, whether or not you like that. So right. uh, I, I was, I, it was a teachable moment. And I'm glad she rose to the occasion. So. Yeah. I'm proud of her. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I mean, that's true. Yeah. That's the shorthand. I am, I am indeed proud of her as well. Yeah. So. And, you know, always keep in mind, I have quite the old girls network, particularly of strategists mm-hmm. up and down the West Coast. So, you know, mm-hmm. have a yeah, good yeah. touch. I'm sure that, yeah. you know, some people will reach out to me after hearing this. So yeah. let, let's talk about if you are a boss and you want to learn some how-tos on how to deliver better news. I mean, deliver bad news better. Here are some suggestions. So the first thing is if there is a real life crisis like if, if something really bad happens with your company, like there's a defect with a product, if there's some, you know, like bad, bad thing writ large, the first thing you need to do is go and get professional help, right? You may have a PR firm, you may have communications folks, you want someone whose job is crisis communications. You right. want somebody who knows what to do and then do exactly what they tell you to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't post something that you think would be fine on social media. Just don't get the professionals yeah. in play and, and listen to what they say. That's the first thing. For day-to-day just delivering bad news, here are some suggestions. The Mm. first one is you probably want to script out what you're going to say. Like, Mm. write it down. It's better Mm -hmm. to read it off of a note card than to to kind of babble on. Like, that's one of the things that I've seen sometimes with new leaders who are doing layoffs, right, or have to Mm -hmm. deliver, you know, let's just say layoffs, right? Um, Any bad news that they do, they'll tend to talk too much. And then the other thing that they'll do that's another don't is they'll try to make it about them. I feel so terrible that I have to fire you. You know, this is just so hard for me. You can't imagine how I didn't sleep at all last night. Those kinds of phrases, while meant to signal empathy or human connection, are actually the worst things you can say. Think about it. If I'm getting laid off, which has happened to me. I don't want to feel like my boss who has plenty of money and the job security that I will not have at the end of this mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. is asking me to take care of his emotions right. about right. how hard it is to have to fire me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, you, yeah. you see that. You see that quite quite a bit. The other thing <laughs> is you you don't want to communicate anything that's legally protected. So for example, I've seen a number of circumstances where a senior person needs to not be at the company anymore. Mm-hmm. All you say is Jan, the executive creative director is no, Jan, the executive creative director is no longer working here. You don't need mm-hmm. to say it's because Jan was sexually harassing, you know, mm-hmm. Lisa mm-hmm. in accounting because that's mm-hmm. legal trouble. Just right. we wish him the best in his new endeavors, right? So be careful about what you're going to say and then be quick and to the point. Mm-hmm. You don't need to drag it out. There doesn't need to be backstory. There doesn't need to be excuses. Just, you know, 
you're going to be put on a performance plan. Here are the five things we need you to work on. The performance right. plan is going to last 60 days. You're going to meet with me once a week to see how we can help you. Right. right. right? Say whatever the news is and then stop talking. Yeah. Right. Because different people are impacted in a different way. Right. When I've had to give bad news about performance to somebody that works for me, I'll tell them what I need them to say. I'll give it to them in a piece of paper so they can refer to it later. Also backing myself up with HR. Then I'll come back the next day and say, is there anything else you want to talk about? Do you have any questions? Is there anything else that you would like to know? Because a lot of people need to, they need to think about it. They need to process it. They need to, you know, metabolize whatever emotions are going to metabolize with their friends or their partner. And then they'll come in and a lot of times they will have questions. And sometimes they'll have argument, but sometimes they'll also be like, I don't understand what you mean by such and such. And it can be, it can be really useful. And also, I mean, look, sometimes people's reasons for firing other people are threadbare. Like a, the guy who I mentioned two shows ago who was at uh, Google, and they said, hey, we we'll talk to you. And he comes into an office, and the HR person is there, and he's been around the block. He knows. He goes, I'm not going to read what's in that folder. I'm not going to touch what's in that folder. If you try to hand it to me, I will not receive it. And you should now know I will fight this tooth and nail. And they buckled. <laughs> they just moved him to YouTube. His boss, they didn't get along, didn't like him. Nothing wrong with his performance, but was going to exercise that power of the state to get rid of him because he didn't like him. And the guy was like, that's not a reason to fire me, and I'm going to fight it tooth and nail. I'm an older employee. He was a white guy, but he's like, I'm an older employee. You're not doing this to me. And they just said, okay, okay. And they moved him to YouTube. When they finally fired his boss, then they brought him back in the position that he was. And it was, you know, all this fair love and war was forgotten. But yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, yeah. that is good advice. If you are receiving the bad news, if you're getting laid off, or if you're getting mm-hmm. performance feedback that you think is you know, queuing up a laying off or a firing, it is great to get legal help if you can, right? I mean, I've had an employment attorney for many years. I have gone to her many, many times and Mm -hmm. it's really helped get me some settlements that have eased the pain of being, you know, terminated for whatever reason. So that's always a good advice. Also starting a job, right? If you get some big, thick contract about who owns what and whose rights are what, make sure to have that reviewed by somebody who's not necessarily that expensive and it can help you for sure. Always, always. And then the last point is if you have to give bad news, we've already talked about you don't want to make the people to whom you are delivering that bad news responsible for you emotionally, but you do need to take care of yourself. And a lot of times people forget that, particularly the good bosses who feel terrible about having to close down a department or do layoffs or talk about- Who genuinely genuinely feel terrible. They genuinely feel terrible. And when I talk to them, what I say is I want you to pay attention to your own self-care. Right. Yeah, Don't right, ask right. the people that you're giving the bad news to to do that. But, you know, if you know that you're doing layoffs, hey, you know, get some extra exercise or go out for drinks with friends, do whatever it is that's supportive for you and recognize it can be really hard. Right. And, and so if you're a good boss, make sure that if you do have to di- deliver difficult news, that you kind of bookend that difficulty by doing mm-hmm. some sort of something that's supportive or or restorative for you, because right, right. that can be a really hard thing for the good bosses. And we assume that if you're listening to our podcast, you're probably a good boss and not a bad boss. Yeah. Yeah. It would have helped if I'd had that advice before I had to fire the first, first person I had to fire uh, a guy who was 55 uh, when I was like 27 and the guy started sobbing and, you know, I got a wife who's ill and my kids are in college and I can't I really need this. 
I was completely unprepared for it. And I, my heart went out to the guy. I didn't see that the, from what I could tell that he wasn't a bad worker. I, they just wanted to get rid of him. So Well, and I think that's why generally if you – HR should be in the room. Yeah. Right? So if you yeah. are a new boss and, and you're new to firing someone and you have to do that or putting someone on a performance plan, yeah. HR should be participating. And you can yeah. ask for that and they should be there and they should know how to do that and know how to deliver that bad news. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of Bad Boss Brief. Um, if you have any suggestions for topics, get in touch at WTF at badbossbrief.com. That's WTF badbossbrief.com. And thank you to, I have a um, thing that I have on Substack called the Consigliere College, where I write content for usually young women who are like, you know, kind of mid-career. And um, one of my Consigliere College folks gave a really good suggestion that we're going to do for our next episode, which is the skip level show. We're going to talk about relationships between when you have a boss who is above you and a direct report who is below you. And those two people are getting really, really friendly. So yeah. that'll be the next, that'll be the next bad boss brief in a couple of weeks. Nice. And we will see you then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Bad Boss Brief with your hosts, Eugene S. Robinson and Stephanie Payrollo. You can check out more of their work by visiting consigliera.substack.com for Stephanie and Eugene S. Robinson.substack.com for Eugene. You can also find Eugene at Mr. Sleep 3, that's the number 3, on Instagram. Send us your questions or comments to WTF at badbossbrief.com and be sure to join us right here on your favorite podcast platform for more insights every other week. Until next time, don't be an asshole at work.